0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now.
1: In just a moment, X minus one. But first, some of the funniest situations you've ever witnessed occur every Wednesday night when the devilish imagination of MC Jack Bailey gets to work on NBC's Truth or Consequences. You won't believe it until you hear it, so listen in tomorrow. Then another laugh session is in store later on with the wise and witty Groucho Marx as he and contestants play You Bet Your Life while the melodic note in your Wednesday evening schedule is music and fun on airtime with Giselle McKenzie. Tonight, the Mark Clifton story, Star Bright.
2: Well, it's finally happened. I've known it would for a long time now. That's why I'm writing this, in the hopes that you'll understand and not think me mad. Whatever the outcome, I hope you will not judge me too harshly for what I've done or failed to do.
0: Mr. Holmes. Mr. Holmes? Come in. Oh, hello, Chief. I just wanted to let you know, sir, that we're doing everything we can to find the children. Yes, I'm sure you are. We've got 300 men out combing the woods for them. The army base has volunteered another 100 men, and we've sent an all-points bulletin to every police unit in the country. Fine, fine. I just wanted to check and make certain our description is accurate. Your little girl, Star, was wearing a blue dress and white sandals. Is that right? That's right. And uh, she is how old? Six, six years old. And the
2: uh, little Howell boy, how old is he? Uh, seven, I believe, yes, uh, seven.
0: Uh-huh, thank you. Well, I'll be in touch with you. Oh, that's very good of you, Chief. Oh, oh by the way, uh, yes, Mr. and Mrs. Howell, uh, how are they taking it? Well, they're pretty upset, naturally. Mr. Howell, he's out with the men searching. Yes, yes, I know. Uh, Mrs. Howell's in the car outside. Ruth is outside? Why didn't she come in? Well, she she said she'd rather not. Oh, I see. Do you, Oh, well, Mrs. Howell, I thought... I
3: decided to come in. I'm not going to sit on my feelings any longer. Uh, Mrs. Howell... No, I have to say this. Pete, Bill and I have been your neighbors for almost a year now. Our children have been almost inseparable. I know that. Then how can you just sit here writing letters when they may be lost somewhere or in trouble? Why aren't you out with Bill and the rest of them searching?
2: I, I, I can't. Ruth, I know how you feel. Please try to understand. I intend to help find Bobby and Starr, but I must do this first.
3: Why? What's so important about it? Ruth, I'm sorry. Sorry. Then why don't you act like a man? You're inhuman. Please. I don't ever want to see you or speak to you again. Ever.
0: Perhaps you won't. What was that, Mr. Holmes? Nothing.
2: Chief, if you don't mind, I'd like to be alone for a moment. Okay, Mr. Holmes.
0: I'll keep in touch.
2: How can I tell them? How can I make them understand? I write this to you because they must be made to understand somehow, but I have to begin at the beginning. I think I first noticed it one evening when Star was three years old. I was in my reading chair going over some work. Star was sitting on the floor in the circle of light with her blunt-nosed scissors and scraps of paper. Her long silence made me glance down.
4: And then we glue this together... Put a line here and there. Star. Like that.
2: Star. Hmm?
4: What is it, Daddy?
2: Can I see what you've made?
4: Uh-huh.
2: Well, well. It's quite a coincidence. What? You know what they call a piece of paper joined together with a half twist like this?
4: Nope.
2: It's called a Mobius strip.
4: You mean somebody already made
2: one? A man named Mobius. Mathematician. Long time ago.
4: Did he know you can put a line on it like that so it has one side all joined?
2: Yes, yes, he did. Uh, Someday I'll I'll tell you what it means.
4: Now do it. What? Tell me about a Mobius strip.
2: (laughs) Very complicated.
4: Then read me about it.
2: Oh, you wouldn't understand, honey.
4: Read me anyway.
2: Okay, young lady. But I warn you, it'll be like one of those nonsense rhymes. At least, I hope it will. At three years, a child shouldn't have enough functioning intelligence to put together a Mobius strip. I had known for some time now that Star was an exceptionally bright child. Just how bright, I had no idea. Not until I began to read to her from an advanced physics book, The Theory of the Mobius Strip. To the Power of Infinity Now then, are you sufficiently mixed up, young lady?
4: Daddy, you know what? What? You read too slow. You say a word, then I think a long time, then you say another word.
2: Oh, I see. Just, uh, what would you have me do about it?
4: Well, teach me to read. Then I can think as quick as I want.
2: The word is quickly. It's an adverb.
4: Oh, Daddy, really. You pick on such unimportant things. I want to learn to read.
2: Okay. When would you like to begin?
4: Right now. Tonight.
2: Before she went to bed that evening, my daughter was able to read. In the months that followed, a great deal happened. Some of our friends, like Jim Petrie, have dropped in and been amused to see her on the floor, rapidly turning the pages of an encyclopedia as big as she is. Oh, sit down, uh, Jim.
5: Oh, thanks. Star,
2: aren't you going to say hello to Uncle Jim?
5: Hello. Well? <laughs> I see she's taken to looking at the pictures in the encyclopedia, huh?
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yes. Uh, uh, come on in the library, Jim. I'd like to talk to you uh, privately. Yeah, sure thing. Mm-hmm. Bring your drink, huh? Okay. <clears throat> I'll uh, shut the door here.
5: Why all the secrecy? Sit down. Mm-hmm.
2: Jim. We've been friends, you and I, ever since engineering school.
5: So? Neither
2: of us have ever mentioned it, but one of the reasons we were drawn together is because both of us have IQ somewhere up in the genius ratings.
5: Oh, 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 I think it was more than that.
2: Well, that played a part. It isn't easy to be exceptional in a world which regards mediocrity as
5: the only behavior above suspicion. Well, we all have to live with our afflictions. Yours and mine is a quick mind and a dull environment. What would you do, Jim,
2: if you were a parent as I am, whose wife had died, as Eleanor did, and you discovered that your only child was, well, afflicted with a fantastically brilliant mind?
5: Star? Oh, come on, Pete, any little girl who's content just to look at the pictures in the encyclopedia. Jim. I mean, after uh, all. What? She wasn't looking at the pictures. Huh? She was reading the pages. What? But she was turning them as fast as humanly possible. She was reading them. What? I know. I've tested her.
2: She not only remembers everything, she understands the concepts. She even gets impatient with them. Well, have, have you measured her? Well, I, I've given her IQ tests, aptitude tests, reaction tables, all the paraphernalia for measuring something we know nothing about. And?
5: Tests don't work. How do you mean?
2: Well, either the tables are screwy or stars beyond all measurement.
5: Pete, are you sure you're not projecting this? I mean, isn't it possible that a few accidental— Daddy. Uh,
2: yeah, 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 yes, honey.
4: I got lonely.
2: Okay. Uh,
5: c- c- come what? on in.
4: Uncle Jim, would you read me a story?
5: Why don't you read your own story?
4: Because I'm only three, and three-year-olds can't read. <laughs>
2: And so she had found the answer to her affliction by herself. Conformity. She had already learned to conceal her intelligence. So many of us break our hearts before we learn that. When Starr was four years old, according to state law, her mind had developed enough so she could attend nursery school. Hi, Daddy. Hi, honey. Did you, uh, like nursery school?
4: Oh, yes, it was fun.
2: What'd you learn today?
4: Not much. I tried to cut out paper dolls, but the scissors kept slipping.
2: Now, look, Star, don't overdo it. That's as bad as being too quick. The idea is that everybody has to be just about standard average. That's the only thing people will tolerate. It's expected that a little girl of four should know how to cut out paper dolls properly.
4: Oh. I guess that's the hard part, isn't it, Daddy? To know how much you ought to know.
2: Yeah. That's the part I always found hard when I was young.
4: It's really all right. I let one little girl show me how to cut them out, so now she likes me. She just took charge of me and told the other kids they should like me too. So they did because she's the leader, even if she is one of the stupids. What? The stupids. That's the trouble with you, Daddy. You don't grasp things right away. That's because you're only a tween.
2: Between? A I assume that means an in between?
4: That's right. You're in between a stupid and a bright.
2: And you're a bright?
4: Yes. I made those names up when I was very little. How little? Oh, about six months old.
2: The thoughts began to whirl around in my head after that one. A small fear kept growing inside me. How profound was this little imp that was staring up at me? How much did she understand already? Even as the thought formed, I learned the final horrifying fact about my little girl.
4: It's all right, Daddy. Don't be afraid of me.
2: Well, how did you know that I was thinking anything like that?
4: Well, I just figured it out. Star. Yes, Daddy?
2: Now, I want you to answer me honestly when I ask you this next question, will you? Yes. Star you read people's minds, are you a telepath?
4: Well... Yes, Daddy. I thought
2: so. You read my mind just now, didn't you? Yes. Now, I'd like to know something else. All right. Can you teach me to do it?
4: You're already learning it, Daddy. The trouble is you're so slow, you didn't even know you were learning. Oh, I see. Daddy? Yeah? You know what I wish? What do you wish? Well, nothing.
2: All the same, I knew exactly what she was wishing. She was wishing for a companion whose mind would match her own. You see, I was becoming telepathic. Just a minute. Well, hello.
6: Is your little girl home?
2: Yes, she's upstairs. Who are you? I'm Robert. Robert who?
6: Robert Howell. My mother and father moved next door yesterday.
2: Oh, well, come in, Robert.
6: I'd like to play with your little girl.
2: How'd you know I had a little girl?
6: Oh, I just know.
2: I see. And how old are you? I'm six. Well, I'll uh, ask Star to come downstairs. I'm sure she'll be glad to see you.
6: Yes, she will.
2: Uh, Tell me, Robert, are you a tween or a bride?
6: Oh, I'm a... What did you
2: say, Mr. Holmes? Nothing. I didn't have to say it. I could read his thought. He was a bright, and it was no accident that he and his parents had moved next door. Somehow, Star had managed to make contact with him, and they had arranged the whole thing. A father is prepared to lose his daughter eventually, but not so soon, not so terribly soon. Coming! Hello, Ruth. Something wrong?
3: I was just looking for Bobby. I thought he was over here playing with Star.
2: Well, I thought they were over at your place.
3: I don't understand it.
2: I've I've noticed that they've uh, been disappearing for a couple of hours almost every afternoon.
3: Well, I suppose they'll turn up again. They know better than to cross the street by themselves. They're too little for that. If they come here first, tell them to come over and have some milk and cookies. Yeah, I'll do that. Oh! Oh, by the way, this must belong to your star. Oh, what's that? Oh, some sort of coin or metal or something. I found it out in the backyard after Star and Bobby were playing. It looks brand new. Let's have a look. Oh, is something wrong?
2: Did you say you found this in your backyard?
3: Yes. What is it?
2: Uh, I don't know.
3: Well, I've got to get back. Bill will be getting home for dinner soon, so see you later.
2: Oh, uh, Yes.
0: Jim?
5: Yes.
2: Do you have a portable spectrophotometer?
5: Well, sure. We've got a dozen here at the lab.
2: Pack one up and get over here right away, will you?
5: Well, Pete, I don't quit till five. Look,
2: do as I say, huh? It's important.
4: Well, okay. Uh-huh.
5: Uh-huh. Well? Let me check the amount of radioactivity again. You've checked it four times. That? about it. Okay. What's your opinion of this coin? Well, first of all, let me say this. It's the real McCoy. And? Also, it doesn't exist. Makes sense. Look, Pete, that coin is pre-Egyptian. It's hand cast. It's made out of one of the oldest bronze alloys, one that was lost 4,000 years ago. So it's 4,000 years old. It is, and it isn't. What do you mean? Listen, Pete, old coins show where the edges get rounded with handling the surface oxidizes. The molecular structure changes, crystallizes. Pete, this coin is authentic, and yet it's brand new. It might have been struck off yesterday. You realize, of course, that that's impossible. Where'd you get it, Pete? I don't know. I think the kid's got it.
2: Star? Yes. How? I don't know. I'm almost afraid to think. Why not ask her? She isn't around. She and Robert are off playing somewhere. Do you know where? No, I... Oh, Jim, it's just too fantastic. It isn't possible. I haven't said a word. I know what you're thinking.
5: As a matter of fact, I was thinking something fantastic. How did you guess? I just... guessed.
2: Jim, let's find those kids right now. Okay? Star? Robert? Let's try the playroom.
0: Star? Robert?
5: Not in here. Let's try back here. I hear something. What? Hey, it's coming from the room we were just in. That's impossible. There's no place they could have hidden. <laughs> I'm going to open that door.
4: Peek-a-boo, Uncle Jim.
5: There they were.
2: In the middle of the playroom, holding hands, a little shame-faced, a little defiant. Star, Robert, where have you been? Now, I know you weren't in this room a few seconds ago, and there are no windows you could get through.
5: Well?
4: It's nothing, Daddy. We just went a little way.
5: That is not answering me. Where did you go? You see, Star, we've found this coin. Come on.
4: I shouldn't have to tell. You're both just tweens.
5: Star, I'm still your daddy. Even brights have feelings about their parents. Now.
4: I tried to ESP you, Daddy.
5: Does she mean extrasensory perception? Yes.
4: You just don't ESP good, Daddy. Robert does it very nicely. He can always find me when I hide. That's because you
6: don't have much imagination. I do, too. Yeah, but you always have to look at a book to ESP what's in it so you leave an ESP smudge. I just look at where you left the smudge, and I go to that place, and that time, and there you are. Oh, but that's cheating. It isn't. You just haven't got imagination. You can't teleport yourself to a place that hasn't been. I can, too. What about the moon people? They haven't been yet. Oh, Star, they have, too. Not for your daddy they haven't, but for the things from our tourists. The moon people were about 10 million light years ago.
2: Now, wait a minute, kids. Hold on. Jim, have you been listening to this? I think I heard it. Now, look, kids, you're either playing a big joke on us older folks, or you've actually figured out a way to travel to places in the
5: past. Right? And in the future, too, Daddy. Star, could you tell us how you do it?
4: It would be easier if I could ESP it to you.
5: Well, just pretend we're stupids and tell us in words.
4: Well, you remember the Mobius strip?
5: I remember. She made it about a year ago, Jim.
4: Well, you join the ends of a strip of paper with a half twist to make one surface. Then you take a sheet and give it a half twist so you can join the edges together all over.
5: That's Klein's bottle.
4: Oh, you know about that.
5: Yes, we know that. Go on.
4: Well, then you take a cube. You imagine a cube, and you twist it.
5: Tesseract. Shh, go on, Stark.
4: And you ESP the twisted cube all together the same way you did Klein's bottle. Now, if you do that big enough all around you so you're sort of folded into it, you can teleport yourself any place you want to go. And that's all there is to it.
5: Jim, what do you think? I need another drink, Pete. A big one.
2: That's all there was to it. The line, the plane, the cube, those were Euclidean physics. The Mobius strip, the Klein bottle, the twisted cube, those were Einsteinian physics. Well, I was pretty advanced in both, but I'd have to do some
5: heavy thinking to really grasp it. Meanwhile, the two little kids stood there staring at us. Star, Robert, can you tell us some of the places you've been?
4: All over, Uncle Jim. The Romans and the Egyptians and places like that.
5: Is that how you got the coin?
4: Uh Uh-huh, I found it. It wasn't stealing, was it, Daddy? I just found it in the dirt.
2: We'll skip that for a minute. What about going to the future?
4: There isn't any future,
6: Mr. Holmes. What's that? It's kind of hard to explain. Even Star doesn't get it. Oh. Well, when she gets to be six, like I am, she'll probably understand. Well, try to explain it to me. Well, it's all connected, just like the Mobius strip. If you go far enough, you'll get back to where it starts again. Start with the cavemen, then us men, then atomic men, the moon men, planet men, star men, and brights. Only somehow... What? The brights got off the strip. We haven't been able to find them any place in time. I'd
4: sure like to know how
6: they got off and
4: where they are.
2: Now, look, kids, this kind of thing can be dangerous. You might be eaten by a dinosaur or something.
4: Oh, we just ESP ourselves right out of there. Well, anyway,
2: I don't want you leaving this part of the time strip. Not again.
4: Daddy. Now,
2: I may be just a tween, but I'm your father.
4: I always mind you, Daddy.
2: Yeah? What about going off
5: the block?
4: But, Daddy, we didn't cross a single street.
5: Nevertheless. Pete, think of what you're doing. Pictures, specimens, recordings. Not only from the past, but from the future. Pete, I beg you. Jim, this is my daughter. But what a contribution. We could be ages ahead of ourselves.
2: No. Star. Robert. I'd like your promise you won't leave present time again. Well?
4: Okay. Okay.
2: All right. Now run along. Robert's mother has some cookies and milk for you.
4: Okay. See you later, Daddy. Get you there. That was a moo man.
5: Jim, I'm sorry. Well, I suppose if I had a daughter... Are you going to report this? And have everybody give me the horse laugh? I may be just a tween, Pete, but I'm not an utter fool.
2: It took me almost six months to do it. I don't know how many times i visualized a cube, and ESP did a half-twist and tried to seal the edges around me. And then once, there was a flash, just for an instant. I was concentrating on Caesar's triumphant march into Rome. And for the briefest instant, there it was. I was standing on a roadway watching, and then it vanished. Hey. Hi, Daddy. What are you two characters plotting?
4: Nothing, Daddy.
2: Well, uh, I'm going to my study for a while. Star?
4: Yes, Daddy?
2: You uh, remember your promise about not leaving present time, don't you?
4: Yes, Daddy.
2: You going to keep it?
4: Yes, Daddy.
2: (laughs) Okay. Okay. I'm holding you to it.
5: Hello.
3: Hello, uh, Pete, this is Ruth Howell. Yeah. Are the kids there? No. When did you see them last?
2: Uh, What time is it? Oh, about uh, ten this morning, six or seven hours ago. Why?
3: Pete, I'm worried. What's up? Well, they were upstairs in Bobby's room. I was in the living room. Now, I could swear they didn't come downstairs, and yet when I went up there, they were gone. That was over five hours ago.
2: Ruth, are you sure they didn't come down?
3: I in that living room every moment. Pete, i, I, I... Uh, uh, Now, Ruth, Ruth, don't get panicky. I'm coming right over.
2: Just don't get panicky. There wasn't a trace of them. Well, that isn't exactly true. Remember what Robert had said about Star leaving an ESP smudge? Well, I was able to catch it in Robert's room. It had something to do with where the Brights went when they got off the time strip. That's it, of course. They wouldn't disobey by leaving present time. But isn't it possible that there is more than one present time? Isn't it possible that another now coexists with ours? That's the clue,
3: of course. I'm going to call the police, Pete.
2: I don't think it'll do any good.
3: We've got to find them. They'd have come back by now.
2: Yes, if they could. What do you mean? Nothing. What are you going to do? I'm going back to my study to think.
3: To think? Aren't you going to look for them?
2: I have to figure out where to look.
3: Well, I'm not going to sit around doing nothing. I'm calling the police.
0: That
2: was this morning. I've been doing some desperate concentrating since then, Jim. I'm writing this down so you'll know. I've already managed to go back to the time of Cheops and ahead to the time when men were navigating to distant planets in a matter of days. But the big job remains how to get into a dimension parallel with our own at the same time. I figured out that to get the equivalent of a Mobius strip with depth, you must use the supercube, the tesseract. That's what I'm working on at the moment. If I succeed, there is a possibility. I may not be able to get back. I hope you will be able to make Bill and Ruth Howell understand. Okay, now if I take six cubes and fold them in one another so that every angle is a right angle... Yes. All right, I've got that. And now I've been folding. I ESP the Tesseract. A half-twist around myself.
0: Mr. Holmes. Mr. Holmes, are you in there? Mr. Holmes. We'll have to break in. It's locked from the inside. Mr. Holmes. Pete.
3: Pete, where are you? Pete?
0: That's funny. The door was locked from the inside, but here's his fountain pen with the ink still wet. But he's gone.
1: You have just heard X-1, presented by the National Broadcasting Company, in cooperation with Galaxy Science Fiction Magazine, which this month features the final installment of Frederick Pohl's novel, Slave Ship. Story of a world engaged in the wildest of all possible non-wars. Where the order of the day was even wilder still. Spare every animal and throw the men to the wolves. Galaxy Magazine, on your newsstand today. Tonight, by transcription, X-1 has brought you Star Bright. A story from the pages of Galaxy written by Mark Clifton... and adapted for radio by George Lefferts. Featured in the cast were Sarah Fussell, Lawson Zerbe, Bill Quinn, Billy Harris... Ralph Bell and Kate Wilkinson your announcer Fred Collins X-1 was directed by Daniel Sutter and is an NBC Radio Network production